Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. All right, well, we're back. Back from a little hiatus. And also last week we had an episode posted on Patreon. It wasn't a normal um, episode of True Crime. It was a little different. Michael had a special Higher Thoughts episode for y'all yes. after the passing of his dog. Um, once again, mm-hmm. uh, rest in peace. And yes, Old Monroe, my older German Shepherd passed last week and it was what a on great recording day on recording day i found him and i just i apologize for that guys but i could just no, not no get, one can I blame you for that mic. that's rough how could you be how, how could you get into the mindset of talking murder when you're dealing with the grief of just finding your dog you know so exactly but great higher thoughts episode a lot of reminiscing about about uh yeah about old bro yeah oh, andy boy. joined me on there and we talked about i know andy has an older lab as well just like you lauren you know yeah um, and uh, they're both they're they're both special dogs. So I know you yeah. guys understand. You know, yeah, the Maddie will be. Most people do. Um, you know, we don't know how much more time we have with Maddie. She's getting up there. She'll be twelve this year. You know, that's pretty old mm-hmm. for a lab, and we'll see. She's she's got lumps all over her body that don't seem to bother her, and I don't really want to prod and poke on them. And yeah, what she's had them for years, and it's just like, hey, she's happy and she's not in pain, and you know, just let her do her thing. So do we'll see. I read a statistic that said that over fifty percent of dogs die from cancer now. That's crazy. And what Isn't are you, that what insane? Do you think, the food or what? Like this cheap dog food that we give them? Or it's got to be. It's right? got to be the cheap dog. If we just food. fed them like raw meat. I bet they'd they'd live way longer. Yeah, if you fed them raw meat and rice or something like that, you know, just yeah. supplemented, just you know, farm raised chicken or whatnot. But I mean, God, most people can't afford to eat that, much less feed it to their dogs. Seriously, right? that's what's some bullshit. You know, if you're feeding your dog like just. I mean, honestly, any dog food, even even blue buffalo and shit, you know, you know they're it's just expensive. getting the scraps. It's expensive, but they're also it still can't yeah. be that top quality. No. You know, as far as you know, these plants that they're making this food in, they're also making cheap food in too. Like, don't get it twisted. Right. You know. Yeah. It's, but it's hard to onward and upward, we're uh, we're back in action, and we got a hell of a case a case this week. Yeah. A one popular those, one, but yeah, it's it's popular. It's been around, um, but you're gonna hear our take on it. And it's one of those that's just kind of dumbfounding when you, when you hear the details of this story. You're just like, this was so unnecessary. But oh, I know. I guess in the eyes of a narcissist and a you know sociopath, it is necessary. I don't know. It, he just seems like the type that was gonna kill eventually anyway. But when you hear why he did it and the circumstances, you're just like, really? Like, did you really need to do that? You know, it's just yeah. frustrating. There's take a lot of pressure for what. There's a lot of pressure on up and coming people in the Hollywood area. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I guess true. And you have to keep a certain a certain life stature, a certain lifestyle, and that's what this guy was trying to do. Yeah, he probably would have ended up making a great actor. I mean, you got to you almost have to be a sociopath to be a really great actor. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> you have to be it? able to disconnect. You know, it seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. because think about it: if you're playing a role for so long, I mean, eventually, parts a little bit of that role becomes part of you, at least for a little while, right? I mean, yeah. you hear of like all these method actors and stuff, and people are like, "Oh, they're crazy. They do this." It's like, well, are they? That seems like the most logical way to do it is to just, yeah. you know, it, it seems like it would be, be harder to character. Yeah, it seems like it would yeah. be more difficult to bounce back and forth between who you really are and this character you're playing back and forth mm-hmm. on set, off a set. It seems like it would yep. be easier just do like the Jim Carrey method or or whoever and just be that character all Daniel the time. Daniel Day-Lewis comes to Daniel mind. Daniel Day-Lewis, yes. He comes to mind, yeah. Oh, my God. What an amazing... Him, uh, uh, what's his Andy name? Kaufman. Remember Andy, Andy Kaufman? Kaufman. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy from Batman, uh, Christian Bale, when he did The Machinist. Oh. He 
got down to like a hundred pounds. He was skin and bones. He Ooh. completely did that just for that character. You know, you have to give it up to Jared Leto as well. He goes through some crazy body transformations for characters as well. Oh man, Dallas Buyers Club. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Right? Speaking of weight loss and everything else. Yeah. The same thing. Oh man. He looked downright well, sick. Also his, his partner in that film as well. Um, McConaughey lost mm-hmm. a ton of weight and really fully went into that role. That, that was, man, that's such a good movie. But anyway, we're going down the rabbit hole. We're like, this isn't just the banter. We got a, we got an episode right. to cover here. Right, so right. Let's dive into it. All right, man. Okay, what's going on, sir? There's a body in my son's apartment. There's a what? A body. A dead body. A dead body? Are you sure, sir? <laughs> okay. Okay, hold on just a minute. Is it someone that you know, sir? Does your son know who it is? He's not here. Jesus. Okay. Do you know where your son is? No, I don't. I don't. He's closed off. Okay. Just keep breathing for me, sir, okay? Where in the apartment is she? She's in the bedroom. She's like, there's just some sexual activity. She's dead. There's blood from her head. I thought she was just a she was cold. There was blood from her head? Yeah, honey, I don't know what to say. I, okay, just stay in there, okay? I feel it. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> it is, but is it clear it is? I'm still here, sir. I'm not going to hang up, okay? Until there's someone there with you. Is anybody else in the apartment besides you? Oh, no. No, no one no, else is no. in there? Yeah, there's somebody there. Sir, who are you talking to now? Who is that that you're talking to? One of his friends. One of your son's friends? Has Jake talked to your son today? No. I, I don't need you on the line, okay? I don't need you on the line. I'm good. All right, for our case this week, it's funny that we were just talking about actors and whatnot because we're this this case we're kind of diving into three main characters. You're gonna have to learn mm-hmm. three main characters of this, and we're gonna start with a guy named Samuel Hur, who was born on May 29th, 1983, in Los Angeles, California, and shares mm-hmm. a birthday with quite a group here: JFK, Bob Hope, and Carmelo Anthony. Oh wow! Quite yeah, a group. Quite a crew. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he Who's was your favorite from the group. I don't know much about Bob Hope, to be honest. That was well before our time. Yeah, me, me Not either. a big basketball guy, so I guess I'll go with JFK. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I like JFK. I like what he stood for. I can't, you know, it's like, you know, you hear all these theories about what would happen if he was still alive and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to get up to Car- Carmelo Anthony, too, man. Still in the league. Still Is kicking he it. Still playing? Like, I didn't even know yes. that. Yes. <laughs> what a damn career, dude. Wow. Like, he's already yeah. a Hall of Famer, and he just like, he's just like, ah, I just like basketball. <laughs> hey. Hell yeah. Yeah, he still looks great. He's if still you can, kicking it out if there. If they'll pay you to play, and you can still do it, then why not? Right? Like Adrian Peterson, man. Right. Just get one season contracts. Just keep jamming. Right. So Sam was an only child born to Steve and Raquel Her, And although he, lo- he was loved very much by his parents, his teen years had still been a struggle. That's... Not, un- not uncommon. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at one, at some point he got in with the wrong crowd and drifted away from his parents and had some issues with the law. We'll talk a lot more about a specific issue with the law that was pretty sketchy actually. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. He learned from his mistakes though. And as a young man, he joined the military, which straightened him out. Very common story here. Gave him, mm-hmm. the military gave him confidence, maturity, and purpose, much like it had for his father, Steve, who had been a Marine. So his father had been kind of pushing him like as he was fucking up as a teenager to like, Hey, join the military. At a, you know, it'll give you purpose and everything else. And so right, he, right. he served with the Army's 173rd Airborne and had been in Afghanistan and Germany and saw some action over there. That also plays into this story later. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been attending Orange, Orange Coast College uh, on his GI Bill with the goal of graduating and reenlisting in the Army as an officer when this story takes place. Wow, wow so he was wanting to go back to yeah. the military. Yeah. Right on. That's one way to do it. Go get yourself a little bit of education, and then you can you can rank up real quick. Yep. Yeah. That he he seems to be motivated because like, you know, most most people in the military that want to move up, you know, they just stay in and they mm-hmm. just keep you know trying to do little things here and there. But he was he wanted to get fast tracked. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So in May of 2010, Sam was on the verge of 27 years old and had been uh, and had seemingly gotten his life on track with uh you know with a lot of help from the military he and his father w- were best friends his father former military marine they were they had a lot in common they also right. each had tattoos commemorating their service to their country and regularly worked out together um and nice. him and his father lived less than a half an, half an hour away from each other with sammy residing in palm tree laden apartment complex in the town of costa mesa this case is called the costa mesa murders for this reason this is where this this whole story mm-hmm. takes place um, and Sam and his father working out in this area, living close to each other, um, here at this apartment complex, he would swim and hang out in the hot tub and make new friends. Um, just enjoying, you know, his time out of the military before he went back in. I wonder how much of it was, you know, he wrapped up his, his duty or however many years he signed for and didn't plan to necessarily sign back up with the military. I think this happens a lot too, where you get out and then you're like, kind of miss the structure and the system of the military maybe right, it was catered right. to him and maybe he was just like yeah i think i like life and they're better and decided he's going to go back at a certain point yeah i think i think he did like a standard four years and yeah. then got discharged and then started and, th- and then here we are this is yeah. where we are in the timeline so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and at this point in his life he was more focused than ever uh talking about marrying katharina the girl he'd met when stationed in germany with the 173rd airborne and attending classes at the orange coast college where i mentioned um, in case he decided to reenlist as an officer in the mm-hmm. army, he, uh, he'd made a lot of friends as well that he had a group chat with. And, um, you know, the, this group that they had was referred to as the knuckleheads. Uh, and they would do <laughs> basically constantly messaging and keeping in touch. Um, but right. while attending, this is where the story gets going is while attending orange coast college in Costa Mesa, Sam met 23 year old Julie Kabishi. Uh, who uh, they met each other in anthropology class and the two became fast friends. They just hit it off for whatever reason and mm-hmm. not in like a um, sexual way, just like really good friends. Right, right. And and uh, he needed a tuner, a, t- a tutor as tutor. well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they got close after she agreed. Uh, Julie agreed to, to tutor Sam for, for their anthropology class that they shared mm-hmm. and they started spending a lot of time together. Sam even described Julie to his father as his kid sister. So she was a few years younger. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Julie. This is one of the, the second character we're going to mention in this out of three. Julie was a right. bubbly dancer from Irvine who loved music and fashion. She was born on February 14th, Valentine's Day in 1987. 
and shares a birthday with a notable figure from history, Frederick Douglass. You want to talk yeah, a little bit absolutely. about Frederick Douglass? He's, he had some yeah. books. I actually think I even read one of his books on Audible. Fascinating to hear, you know, about like his time as a slave and breaking free from that. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. He's revolutionary, revolutionary. Mm-hmm. There was also some other uh, birthdays on February 14th. I'm surprised you missed. Oh yeah. Um, Freddie Highmore from Bates Motel. You know, the lead actor in Bates Motel? Nope. Never the watched kid. It. Oh my God. I Amazing love Psycho. Show. The original Psycho uh, is one of my favorite horror yes. films, but I never watched yeah. Bates Motel. He plays Norman Bates. He's fucking amazing. Okay. And then Simon Pegg from your favorite movie. Fucking oh, Sean Simon Pegg? Oh, how did I Simon miss that? Pegg, He's one of my favorite bro. dudes ever. I literally have... I know. When, if you've seen some of the videos we record, I have a fucking Simon Pegg dedicated t-shirt like from I know. the three films that he's famous for. <laughs> That's why I was surprised. I'm not even done yet. Hold on. Danai uh, Guerrara. I, I might be mispronouncing her name. But anyway, she's Michonne on The Walking Dead. Uh, I was never really big on The Walking Dead. I watched the, oh. I, I loved the first two or three seasons, and then I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too corny. Okay, what about Jimmy Hoffa? Was she the one with How the sword you? or what? Yeah, she's okay. got the samurai sword. Yeah. yeah what about Jimmy Hoffa, bro? Jimmy Fucking Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Oh shit. Okay. Also, B- maybe Jim about Jeffries. the surface in one of the barrels at the lake that's drying out. <laughs> right. There's so many, man. Rob Thomas from Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, I could do without him. <laughs> uh, I guess they had some good hits in the 90s. I don't know. Oh, and I know you know this guy, Teller from Penn and Teller. Oh, hell yeah. Know. He's a weirdo. Yeah. Andrew Bledsoe. Okay, I'm done. Holy shit, but, man. Yeah. What a group. I, dang, that is I a, know. <laughs> dang. I just, I was so surprised that you didn't have these guys. Right? I don't know. These ladies. Yeah, yeah what a crew, man. What a crew. I'll, I'll take Simon Pegg out of that group. Kristen's love, like, what the fuck? Room. Stop naming people. I'm tired of putting <laughs> pictures on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, we see man. who else I can find. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Well, more most importantly on it for this date, uh, for our story yeah. here was Julie Julie Kobishi um was born right. on February fourteenth, nineteen eighty seven, same year as me, uh nineteen eighty seven. Oh, right on. Uh she was twenty three years old in twenty ten when this story takes place. And anyone who knew Julie described her as kind and full of life. She really did seem to be a special person that you can see just mm-hmm. by her behavior with Sam, you know, getting to meet him a little bit through class and like more than willing to, with this story, the yeah. direction it heads uh, for her to drop what she's doing in the middle of the night and go help Sam when she thought he needed it. Obviously, that's not the way it played out, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. Right. Um, uh, one of her instructors at Orange County School of Arts said she was beautiful, graceful, dynamic, strong, and emotional. And that was her jazz instructor, mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy from that school. She okay. also says, uh, Julie's kind kindness was immeasurable. Everybody loved Julie. She was compassionate and warm and talented and very, very fun to watch on stage. She seems like somebody who had a hard time saying no. You know what I'm saying? Like when somebody asked something of Julie, she was going to be there for you. Yeah. If you needed her, she was going to pick you up here or help you, help you with your anth- anthropology or whatever, mm-hmm. anthropology. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like she... She was probably somebody who was spread pretty thin among her friends with mm-hmm. this type of personality. Yeah, uh, there's more quotes about her. If a friend asked her to pick them up uh, at the LAX airport in the middle of the night, she'd get them. Uh, one time I got mad at her. Why are you going now? It's 10 o'clock, she said, but they need a ride. It's That's the kind of person she was. Uh, I think yeah. that was her mother talking about her. Okay. Um, and. In the eyes of her mother, June Kobishi, Julie was nothing but perfect. Quote, I'm just so proud that she grew up to be a very kind and very honest and very caring, loved to take care of other people. And while at Orange County School of Arts, she excelled in dance, 
Um, later she enrolled at Orange County College to study fashion design. So she probably was going to niche out a, a successful life in Hollywood in some, some regard, whether she was a performer or someone helping the performers get ready, um, uh, right. fashion experience and whatnot. Right. And it was at Orange, uh, Orange Coast College that she met, uh, you know, an army veteran who had just returned from Afghanistan, an older classmate who, who asked for help for studying. And that was Sam Hur, who we've already talked about. Right. Um, and obviously you can tell by the way we're talking about, uh, Julie in past tense, that something tragic happened to her. And so let's, let's dive into that. And this story really gets going here on May 22nd, 2010, Sam's father, Steve became concerned when he couldn't reach his son all day, which we talked about how close their relationship was talking every day, living what a half a mile away from each other and working out all the time. Right. Um, and we have a quote from Steve and what he was thinking at this time. He says, Sam was supposed to come to our house for the weekend. And throughout the day I was calling his phone, but the phone would just, uh, was just off and Sam never turned his phone off. So uh, the more I called, the more I became concerned. And this is when Steve drove to Sam's Costa Mesa apartment and let himself in with a key. Once inside the apartment, he discovered a gruesome scene. Steve would find Julie Kilbishi's body lying face down on Sam's bed with some of her clothes ripped off and a gunshot wound to her head. Mm. Shocking discovery. Um, strangely, yeah. she was strangely also she was wearing a tiara on her sweater, and the words "all f all yours, fuck you" were written on the back of the sweater that she was wearing. Mm, so it looks really personal right now. This yes. looks like uh, a crime of passion, mm -hmm. to say the least. Maybe a love triangle gone bad, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there was no sign of a struggle, and Sam Hur had apparently disappeared. So not looking good as far as Sam is concerned. It's looking like he may have killed this girl that he knew pretty well mm -hmm. um, and then took off. Uh, maybe he had some sort of an episode. You know, we talked about how he had seen combat. He'd been to Afghanistan, and that's immediately what investigators are thinking, of course. Right. Um, on the last night of her life, May 21st, 2010, Julie Kilbishi waved goodbye to her mother in the kitchen, explaining that she was off to visit her older brother, Taka, to discover to discuss his up-and-coming wedding. Quote, I was cooking dinner, and I wasn't able to give her, um, she stares into the distance when she's saying this, um, a hug. And, of course, you know, you look back and you're like, damn it, that was my opportunity. But, of course, you don't know the future, and you don't know how it's going to happen. So, Exactly. You can't, you can't hold you can't that shit. can't beat yourself up about that. But um, oh. that night... Uh, Taka gave Julie a, a tiara to wear as a bridesmaid at his wedding. So he asked her to be a bridesmaid at his wedding. And mm -hmm. um, obviously she was very excited about this. And then it's pretty dark to think that she would end up with that tiara on the next day murdered. Um, yeah, quite dark. Quite unnecessary as well mm -hmm. by the murderer. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Quite theatrical, you could say. Yeah, indeed. Mm -hmm. Indeed, quite theatrical. So at about 11 p.m., Julie received a text message that night, the night that she was murdered, that uh, appeared to be from her friend Sam Hur, saying that he had some family problems and needed a shoulder to cry on. And this is what we alluded to earlier with Julie's, you know, kindness and, and warmth as a friend and willingness mm -hmm. to be there for anybody at any time. Um, quote, I'm going to stop, on, stop by on my way home, she told her brother. Um, Okay, Taka said, but be careful and text me when you get there. So she tells Taka, you know, she goes out to dinner with Taka and his soon-to-be wife, and they, they ask her to be a bridesmaid. And from there, she's getting the messages while she's having dinner with them from Sam saying, I need, I need you. Um, I'm going through a hard time right now. Something happened with a family member or whatnot. And so she basically agrees to go to his apartment 
to be there for him. Um, and at about midnight, Julie pulled up to the, to the apartment complex in Costa Mesa where Sam lived. She texted, uh, her brother Taka, uh, said, I'm here. Don't worry. So unfortunately that kind of like created a, a timeline where no one's really worried about her. They know where she is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yep. She didn't kind of gave him a false sense of peace there. Yeah. Kind of kept them off the trail. And also, unfortunately, she didn't know that Sam, her was already dead and that a mm-hmm. killer was inside Sam's apartment waiting for her and been, had been using Sam's phone to message her. This scene is just dark to think about. Like it's one of those <sighs> moments in time where you're like, you want to like go back and like shake her, like don't go in there. Like this is not good. I, you know what I still can't figure out, you know, obviously we know this case and we know who this killer is and I'm not trying to get anything. I'm not giving anything away, but like, why did he text her in the first place to come there? She wasn't gone going to come there. I, I just don't understand. It's I feel a like setup. Death is it's a so setup. unnecessary. It's a setup. So he, I think his plan was to knock, uh, investigators off course here. If he only kills Sam, the investigation is far different than if he, kills a girl that Sam knew and then makes Sam's body disappear. Then it looks like Sam killed her and then he's on the run. And the investigation is looking for him as opposed to trying to find the real killer. They're assuming that it's Sam, you know? Oh my God. So, okay. So he just did this, all of this, just to throw it's an elaborate off. plan to completely divert, divert uh, the investigators and make them make it look like Sam did it. Basically setting him up. Wow. That is, yeah, that is <laughs> fucked up. That is yeah. some narcissistic shit right there. Yeah, very, uh, very, um, I don't know what the word is, maniacal. Yes, maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, following the shocking discovery, we're going to go back to Steve finding his, uh, going to his son's apartment and finding Julie's body uh, murdered with you know all the theatrics around it as well. He says, quote, obviously there's a dead woman in my son's apartment and he's missing. He's gone. I'm not stupid. I get it. You know, the suspicions are going, the suspicions are going to be on him. Yeah. And of course, by later that evening, police began investigating Sam Hur for Julie Kobishi's murder, just as the murderer wanted. Um, how, how else could you take this? She's dead in his apartment. Yeah. And of course they're going to wrap in the military background. They're going to wrap in the fact that he saw combat, the fact that he made, mm-hmm. you know, of course they're going to say, Oh, he, he may have had an episode of PTSD and freaked out. Right. Um, so after Steve Hur called 911, police issues on, uh, they issued an all points bulletin for Sam Hur. And Detective Jose Morales and Lieutenant Ed Everett with the Costa Mesa Police Department believed that given Sam's military history, he knew how to use a firearm and theorized that Sam, possibly suffering from PTSD, could have snapped. They said that text messages on Julie Kilbishi's phone showed Julie received a message from Sam Hur's phone at about 2.45 p.m. the day prior to her body being discovered, saying that he was helping a neighbor and then heading to his folks' house for the weekend. But two hours later, another text to Julie from Sam's phone read, quote, can you come help me tonight at midnight alone? Very upset. Need to talk. Then later, quote, I'm hurting with some family crap. I can't be alone. No sex. Please, I'm begging as a brother. Um, And police say, quote, we looked at the phone and thought, okay, maybe he's drinking, using drugs, and there was an incident, and he just snapped, sexually assaulted her, and wound up killing her and then fled, Everett said. We believed Sam Hur was our guy. Once again, I don't think the police are crazy for thinking this this is exactly what i would be no. thinking as an investigator as well no the, the police did a great job on this whole investigation honestly yeah. in my opinion the whole thing yeah we give like, a lot of shit to investigators and you know yeah. but uh, this actually is a yeah they did a good job absolutely 
So as detectives started digging into Sam Hur's background, they discovered he, as a teen, had previously been charged along with several others with murder, but was acquitted. This is the this is uh, a crazy story. We we when we first mentioned Sam, we mentioned how like he had gotten into some trouble as a teen, and one incident in particular was pretty bad, and like he almost yeah, got some locked trouble. Up that's an underestimate. Yeah, an I mean he was legitimately involved in a murder. Holy shit. So. Let's go through that. Um, back in 2002, Samuel Hur was 18 years old and was accused of taking part along with 17 other men and women in the stabbing and beating death of a 19-year-old childhood friend in Canyon, uh, Canyon Country. Uh, Canyon, I don't know what that is, Canyon Country or Canyon, it may be Canyon County, I don't know. But uh, basically, yeah. he got wrapped up into uh, a gang um, at this time when he was a teenager. Um, but he luckily for him was acquitted after a 2004 jury trial where a judge excluded highly incriminating evidence in a type of ruling. Some legal experts consider controversial. The hers hired a star private defense attorney, Alex Kessel, uh, of Encino and Kessel's court filings described defendant Samuel her as an, uh, erstwhile student while unable to attend regular uh, high school because of learning challenges and regular, and he was a regular marijuana smoker. He hung That's out with a small group. He hung out with a small group known as the Brown Familia, um, but wasn't a made member, uh, maybe due to the fact okay. that he was Caucasian. I don't know. That's what I was thinking, right? I'm guessing this is a uh, Hispanic group. Yeah, uh, and I think the Hispanic fact that he was Caucasian didn't didn't hurt his case as far as getting acquitted as well. I think it was probably harder for the jury to believe that he really took part in this gang killing when he was white and everybody else was Hispanic. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that helped. <laughs> On the night of January 15th, 2002, a mem- uh, Brown Familia member... Victor, Victor Flores, a 19-year-old native of Mexico, was shot dead and his body dumped in a riverbed. By the next day, the Brown Familia began plotting revenge. And that's when this crazy murder takes place that Sam was a part of. They settled on a Guatemalan native, Byron Benito, who they thought was associated with the killing of Flores. Allegedly, Sam picked up Benito, drove him to an industrial park where the Brown Familia assailants awaited. According to court records, Samuel helped to select the site. Witnesses said noting that there were no surveillance cameras in the parking lot behind a gym. So he picks the location where this dude's going to be killed as retaliation. Okay. He's driving as well. This makes way more sense. This makes way more sense now. The fact that they needed a white guy to lure this other gang member into safety, somebody they could trust. You know, Mm -hmm. another member of the Brown Familia couldn't just go pick up uh, this Benito character Mm -hmm. unsuspectingly and take him somewhere. But, you know, a white guy probably could. Once her arrived with Benito, court records say the assailants engaged in a rat pack attack so furious that some defendants inadvertently stabbed each other. As the attack ensued, a prosecution cooperating uh, witness, himself a defendant, said Samuel Hurd didn't join in, but he and a couple others faked a fight nearby, apparently as a cover cover in case Benito survived. Um, Immediately Mm. after Benito's death, sheriff's deputies learned that he was last seen with Samuel Hurd. By the night after the murder, deputies identified Sam as a possible suspect staking out his home. When he drove by, saw Los Angeles County uh, Sheriff's deputies and didn't stop. Deputies tailed him going 37 and a 25, watched him turn left without making a signal and and pulled him over. Later in defense motions, uh, Kessel wrote, his client was, quote, driving prudently. (laughs) So deputies shouldn't have stopped him, even though he's going 12 over and didn't use a signal to turn. Right, Uh, right. That's good enough for California, right? Yeah. Uh, they call it a California stop for a reason, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, the traffic stop was a pretext to engage in a fishing expedition, Kessel argued in documents. So they just basically got him a really good lawyer that the other Brown familia didn't mm-hmm. have. And he was white. Right. They were brown. Like he, he got off for a few factors. But ultimately, he drove this kid to his death knowing what Absolutely. was waiting for him. He definitely played a role in this shit. 
Absolutely. Um, he got uh, a second chance at life. He got man. a second that's chance. That's why he turned his shit around. He made the most of it, and yeah, it definitely could have gone differently. Um, no what's crazy to think about is it most likely he'd probably be al- he'd be alive right now had he been put in prison for this, which is crazy yeah, to think about. Not much of a life, though. No. Yeah, you're right. So after sheriff's deputies detained Samuel Hur, the defense argued his rights against self-incrimination were violated. His requests for an attorney were ignored. He, he was deprived of sleep and food, and questioning sessions went on for 12 hours, which I think, you know, I'm sure all the other members of the gang had the same treatment. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. he was not special in that regard. And during the withering interrogation, defense records say his father and an attorney were waiting outside the station, stalled providing legal assistance. It was such issues that prompted Kessel to argue the outrageous conduct by law enforcement. Um, and when Hur's car was seized, records show fingerprints, fibers, and ashtray contents were uh, collected along with photos of other possible evidence. Um, basically, I'm, I'm going on and on, but basically he got acquitted of this murder that he was involved in, that he definitely played a role in, like I said, driving this young man to his death, knowing what was waiting. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, he ended up getting acquitted because his family could afford a good lawyer, and they picked at the police's conduct during the investigation and whatnot, picked that apart. and um, yeah. Played so, their cards right. Yeah. So nearly two years after her arrest, he remained jailed. Los Angeles County Court Judge Norman uh, Tarl agreed ruling incriminating evidence and statements should be excluded from the jury trial, and Sam Hur would walk free with a handful of other defendants while he remained uh, while the remainder of received major, uh, uh, basically life sentences. So him and a couple other people wow. got off and the rest got life sentences for that murder. That's crazy. Like the man doesn't get killed if her doesn't drive him there. Right. You know? And he also it's picked like, the location of the murder as well. Oof. So. Yeah. That's um, a big role to play. That's a big role to play. Yeah. About six months after Benito's murder, Samuel Hur was examined by Dr. Uh, Kashul Sharma, a Huntington Beach psychiatrist uh, who for more than 20 years has diagnosed criminal defendants for the courts. And um, she found that he had received outpatient psychiatric care since he was 12 for bulimia and obsessive compulsive disorders, but seized medication and psychiatric care at 16. Um, Hearst also confessed to Sharma thoughts of harming his parents, whom he also loved. The report stated, um, based on the exam, Sharma uh, declared, quote, the defendant is mentally ill and in need of continued medication and treatment. However, once he was acquitted, Samuel was able to join the U.S. Army where he went on to thrive. While in the Army, he was known for relaxing standards uh, to obtain recruits in the aftermath of the 2003 invasion of Iraq. An attorney Mm -hmm. familiar with the military requirements says waivers likely would have been required for her to enlist given the history but nonetheless we've seen this before where they take in people and they kind of overlook things and they feel like they can yeah. fix the issues which in sam's case it seems like they did a good job of but it and can it's be a, hit or miss at times a, absolutely and it and it, for someone who was young and got in trouble with the law early on this is a great way to redeem yourself right yeah. and this is a great way to kind of get the heat off of you for the rest of your life Right, we see so many you go and get some medals in the military. military. You see combat. Yeah, yeah. You recruit and all other young men who are troubled. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. all is forgiven, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he joined in 2006 and was honorably discharged in 2009. Um, while in the ar- while in the army, he was a mechanic who served on the front lines, becoming quote a decorated combat veteran. His father said, "quote He loved to travel. He was thinking of going back in the army." Um. Now let's go back to. 
you know, 2010, when this whole thing went down, following his son's disappearance and finding a young woman murdered in his apartment, Steve Herr began, uh, began conducting an investigation of his own. And that whole thing we just went through, of course, the police, after finding um, Julie's body in Sam's apartment, they're looking back at his background and they're going, look, he's already been involved in a murder before. He had this psychiatric yeah. evaluation that looks like he was potentially a violent and troubled young man. Uh, before he went into the military and maybe some of those stuck around and maybe it got some of that was brought back with some of the stuff he saw overseas. Mm -hmm. and so of course they're linking all this together and they're absolutely thinking Sam did this and they're thinking we have to find this guy now because he's dangerous not knowing that he's right. already dead. Yeah. And still, even at this point, you still have to give credit to the police. Like they're yeah. doing a great job. This <clears throat> who wouldn't think this. Yeah. There's actually, there's a, a true crime daily special on YouTube. And if you watch it, they, the way they lay the whole thing out, it's like you think Sam did this until halfway through the episode. I yeah. mean, it's hard not and to. And there's no re and there, right. There's no reason not to. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. Yeah, but this that's why I like this story, and like I feel like we could do it because it, it has been done a lot elsewhere. But we always mm -hmm. I like to tell stories a little differently and in a different yeah. chronological order and all that. So like we're telling it in a way that we already know that he's dead, and yet you're still like looking at what the police were doing, what they were thinking at the time, and creates this right. interesting dichotomy. So absolutely. following his son's disappearance and Julie's death in the apartment, Steve shares, uh, shared a bank account with his son and realized that there had been multiple withdrawals made from ATMs in Long Beach, California, some 20 miles away in the days since his son's disappearance. You know, once again, it makes sense. If he is on the run, he's using his card. He's got to have money to be able to go here and there, stay at hotels or whatever. Police right. discovered this information as well, but when the bank sent them footage of the ATM cameras, they couldn't believe who they were seeing. It was not Sam. No oh. one recognized this individual. So this throws a, a monkey wrench into this whole issue, the, the whole case here. Of course, the police were guaranteed they were thinking this was going to be Sam on the ATM footage. Absolutely. Not him. You know what I thought? I thought, well, maybe Sam was smart enough to pay someone else mm -hmm. to get some money out for him. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. I mean, because... Using your credit card in general, if you're on the run, is not smart. I mean, I feel like everyone past 19, you know, anything in the in the new millennium, you got to know that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they're tracking that shit. Even even mm -hmm. through the 80s, they were checking, they were tracking credit card transactions and shit. I, yeah. I feel like they would be well aware of that. So yeah, yeah, when this came up, this shocked the shit out of me. I'm like, okay, maybe just, you know, maybe it's a friend of Sam's who was doing them a favor or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, so police say that Sam Hur's credit card activity showed four ATM withdrawals and a pizza delivery in Long Beach, and the person showing up on the ATM cameras was a teenager no one could identify. So when the police learned of a second pizza delivery, they thought Sam had found Sam Hur they, they thought that they had found Sam Hur's hideout. And he's just getting pizzas delivered there, which is right. a very smart <laughs> way to hide out. <laughs> that would be so stupid. Yeah. Seriously. Not only did he get one pizza, he got two. Yeah. He just <laughs> like, truly don't care about getting found at that point if that's what's going no. on. Exactly. Um, so on May 26, 2010, police raided the house of mystery teenager, uh, the mystery teenager that had been seen on the ATMs. Um, they stormed the house hoping to find Sam Herb, but in instead found a 16-year-old uh, zit-faced kid named Wesley Freelich along with some of his <laughs> friends. I can imagine them just sitting around playing Call of Duty or something. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And then like SWAT teams stormed the house. Yeah. Well, bro, you were using an ATM card involved in a murder. And, and I know, later right? we would find out a double homicide, actually. Seriously, um, just using someone else's ATM card and then linking it to your very own address. Yeah, not not wise there, stupid. kid. But he was 16 and dumb. We can do That's it. true. That's true. 
so police quickly figured out that Freelich was not involved in Julie's murder, but they did find uh, Sam Hur's ATM card in his possession. Quote, I immediately told them everything. I, uh, this is what happened, Freelich said. So the teen told police that a man named Dan Wozniak, an older guy that his mother had met in community theater, had given him Sam Hur's card and had asked him to make withdrawals. Freelich said Wozniak told him that he was a bail bondsman and they needed to collect the money that Sam owed. Quote, he had an actual folder of paperwork saying that it was legal. And since I was a minor, I can't be charged. If it was legal, then why, <laughs> why is he even bothering to say that you can't be charged because you're a minor if it's legal? You know what I'm right. saying? You just literally contradicted yourself. It's one or the other. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then he also but he says, had a, but he had a paper, we had, he had paperwork though, Lauren. So, you know, yeah, so it's all real. like I've said it before. If, if you're a white guy with a polo and you got a clipboard, you can go wherever the <laughs> hell you want. A paper. Uh, yeah. If you got a manila folder with some fucking shit yeah. you typed up. Yeah. Put on a decent shirt and some khakis yeah. and, and yeah. a clipboard. You can go wherever the fuck you want, man. Yeah. You're good to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he also says, quote, and that's when he pulled out the ATM card and gave me the instructions to withdraw the full amount and make sure I wore a hat and glasses. Yeah, so it's so legal, but yeah, you have to wear a disguise to go get the money. <laughs> <laughs> but don't Come worry on, about kid. it. It's totally legal. Come on, kid. Um, right. In all, $1,900 was taken from her's bank account. After talking with Wesley Freelich, detectives called community th theater actor Daniel Wozniak and asked him to come in for questioning. And that's where we go into Here we go. the actor in this case, the theatrical Daniel Wozniak, the center point of this case, the third character that we kind of talked about in this movie that is this case mm -hmm. and the reason that that crime scene was so theatrical with the tiara and the writing on the sweater was because this guy's a fucking nut job um yep support for true crime guys is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped's performance package the ultimate men's hygiene bundle join over four million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CREEPER at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. I gotta admit, there was a time before I discovered Manscaped, and I would use other trimmers, and it was not pretty. It was a bit like a horror scene down there. But the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and oh man, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor as well. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CREEPER. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CREEPER. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And so let's go into Daniel Patrick Wozniak, who was born on March 23rd, 1984. Shares a birthday with Randall Parker, Kim Jong, or well, Randall Park, sorry, who was Kim Jong in, in the interview. Great actor, oh my God. comedian. In he the Seth awesome Rogen in movie, movie, the interview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Randall Park. Um, he's been in some other stuff too, man. He's really, he's always, he always kills it. 
That movie um, was crazy. Like I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it <laughs> until they got into that control room, and then there's that one scene, dude, where it's just like goes off the rails. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. If you haven't if you haven't seen the interview, I don't want to spoil it for you, but like that movie gets crazy. Yeah. As you would, I guess, as you would expect from a Seth Rogen flick. Right. Uh, he also shares a birthday with Shaka Khan. Oh, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Nice. A legend. Yeah. Um, so back to Wozniak, though. Daniel Wozniak was a well-known uh, community theater actor. Um, mm-hmm. He was a 2002 graduate of Los Alamitos High School and played Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music at the Orange County Children's Theater, where the director said he was, quote, wonderful with children. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he also performed in the music man and Charlie's aunt and arsenic and old lace, uh, with Southie, with Southeast civic light opera, where the director called him quote, well-spoken, the life of the party, the center of attention. Yeah. You could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, he was yeah, su- I could see that as well. I could definitely see that. Yeah. He was good at fooling people and making them believe he was a good dude. Well, he was an actor. Yeah. So. So he was soon to star in the musical Nine at the Hunger Arts Theater Co- Company in Fullerton when his name came up in this investigation. So he was preparing for this big role in this uh, in this next this next musical. He would be the leading man and plan to marry his co-star Rachel May Buffett uh, in real life, uh, uh, a former Disney princess, on May twenty eighth, twenty ten, in an elaborate beachside wedding and reception. So he was going to be starring in this. In this mm-hmm. uh, musical, alongside the woman that he was about to marry, he had a lot going on, and that's yeah. why I'm saying like this whole thing was so fucking unnecessary. All he ne- he needed some money, I get that, but like, dude, take a loan out. So, do there's other ways to get some money other than killing two people, right? He must not have had very much faith in his acting ability either, right? Right. I mean, I don't know what theater actors make. Apparently, nothing. And then I would and I would imagine the cost of living in California. I yeah. mean, God. They're, yeah, they're, and then you have this big elaborate wedding. You know, this type of guy is not going to have some drive-through wedding or some small little hell no. type of thing. It's got to be a big deal, and that's mm-hmm. why he needed money fast. Yeah, this was going to be a big outdoor shindig probably in Southern mm-hmm. California. Yeah. 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 So his name comes up in this investigation. Obviously, he's the one who gave the uh, the the guy who police think murdered a woman's ATM card to a 16 year old and this shit's going again a little crazy now for investigators like what is going on but Mm -hmm. this guy's name came up he gave this card of this guy who may have murdered someone to a young kid and so they need to talk to this Wozniak character and they contact him but Wozniak tells Lieutenant Ed Everett that he couldn't come in for questioning because he was on his way to his bachelor party with his wedding only two days away so instead, officers decided to make a surprise appearance at his bachelor party, which I love. Yeah. I love that they crashed his bachelor party. <laughs> yeah. They're like, where is uh, that exactly? Oh, okay. Right. Nice. That's a okay. nice place. We'll yeah, see you there. Yeah, I guess so we'll have what? to talk to you afterwards, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Psych. Yeah. Yeah, so Wozniak and his, his party there had just paid the bill when police officers swarmed into the Tsunami Sushi restaurant in Huntington Beach and told Wozniak uh, that he'd be coming with them and hauled him away in handcuffs. And so uh, this is on May 26, 2010, late into the evening, police bring Daniel Wozniak in for questioning. And this is quite an interesting uh, series of events in this interrogation room that go on. You see the many sides of an actor here trying to fool police. Yeah, The you whole do. thing you can watch on YouTube, and I'm sure you played some clips from it in the intro. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of go over the, the cliff notes of this interrogation, which goes on for a while. 
Um, during his first interrogation, Wozniak admitted he talked to Freelick and he talked Freelick into making withdrawals for him at the ATM using Samuel Hur's card. But he told detectives that he and her were uh, working on a credit card scam where her was supposed to report the card stolen. Then Freelick would make the withdrawals and her would uh, call the bank and ask for the money back. So he's saying that he was partnered up with Samuel Hur, who's now missing, who may have killed his girlfriend or not his girlfriend, but, uh, you know, his friend from school. Mm-hmm. Um, he also told police that on the morning of Julie Kobishi's murder, her came to see him and said he had done something bad, quote unquote, and that her had killed Kilbishi. So he's pointing the finger directly at Sam, who the police already think did it. And at right. this point, they're still, they still, you know, see, um, Wozniak is kind of an ancillary character here. Someone that's like, they want to get more information from him because they're trying to get Sam. They don't really look at him as being involved in this murder necessarily. But they tell Sam know gives that himself he knows away more in a bit. Yeah. They definitely yeah. know that he knows more. Mm-hmm. Um, but when police say that they needed a DNA sample from Wozniak to rule him out as a suspect, he admitted to being in her apartment the day of the murder. And this is when police start to get a little suspicious uh, mm-hmm. as far as him being involved in the murder. When he's, as soon as he get, he gives the seed, the DNA sample, you know, lets him swab, but then his behavior changes immediately. Like, and he starts admitting to shit like, well, I was in the apartment. He's trying to now explain why his DNA might be in that apartment. Right. Yep. Um, and eventually he cracks and even says, quote, yes, I saw the goddamn body. Is that what you want to hear? Uh, and he tells like, detectives that he, nope. quote, saw two gunshots in her head. And this is when police were like, Ooh. okay, this fucker was definitely there for the murder, if not mm-hmm. did it. Because they, the two gunshot holes, like they were very hard to see. The police right. only thought that there was one initially because she had a lot of hair. You know, she mm-hmm. had really dark hair as well. And it was hard to see this little bullet hole in her head. And so how would he know that there was two? There was not something that if you just saw because Sam showed you that you would see those two bullet holes very easily. Exactly. So this was a major red flag for detectives because they had only noticed one gunshot wound in, in uh, Julie's head, not two, which to them meant that Wozniak had to have been there when she was killed. And during the autopsy of uh, Julie Kilbishi's body, a second gunshot was in fact uh, found. Mm. Quote, his story kept changing, Lieutenant Everett said. I think he thought that his acting ability was going to carry him through this performance, so to speak, but he wasn't doing it. This was no. not the performance of his life, you could say. No. Uh, under a lot of pressure, though. Yeah. Under a lot of pressure, to be fair. Yeah. I don't think he, High pressure he wasn't, acting here. He wasn't this isn't pre- the, the children's museum play here. <laughs> right, right. He thought this was going to be easy, right? Fooling a couple yeah. of dumb detectives. You know, how right. hard could it be? Right. He plays yeah. characters all the time. Yeah. So from jail, he called his fiance Rachel Buffett, um, and their conversations were recorded. And on one recording, Buffett revealed to, uh, that Wozniak's brother, Tim Wozniak, had a backpack full of incriminating evidence, including the murder weapon. She is very suspicious of her fiance here and is like, dude, I have to give you up. Like you can't, like uh, you were involved in this and killing this young girl. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Um, he's basically begging her on the phone, not to tell detectives. Um, and he said in the phone call, quote, then I'm doomed. So he's giving himself away on this recorded phone call as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't actually admit to anything, but I mean, pretty much he admitted that he knows more and police know they just have to press a little harder at this point. They know they got him. Right. So after his initial interrogation and the phone call with his fiance, Daniel Wozniak talked to detectives again, and this time admitted not only to killing Julie Kilbishi, but also to killing Samuel Hur, who had been missing this whole time, and police assumed for a while that he had done the, the murder of Julie. Mm-hmm. So he says, quote, I'm crazy, and I did it. And they're like, did what? And that's when he says, I killed Julie, and I killed Sam. And they're caught off guard by that because they don't even know Sam's dead at this point. Right. Um, 
Wozniak then went on to explain that uh, Samuel Hur had told him that he had saved $62,000 and in telling and trusting his neighbor, uh, they were neighbors in the apartment complex. That's how they knew each other. And in trusting uh, Wozniak with wow. with this knowledge, that was a fatal mistake for Samuel Hur. unfortunately, this psycho telling him you had all this money in a time where he needs money because he's got this wedding coming up. Dude, the older but, I get, man, the more I realize you do not talk about money. Just don't do it. Right. Like if you want to if you want to ask someone some investment advice or whatnot, this or that, whatever, but like personally, I I I just I don't talk about money with nobody, not even family anymore. Yeah. Like it, it only leads to problems. You don't have really anything does. to gain from it, right? You have there's nothing no, to gain no from it. There's no good that can come from it. There's a lot of bad that could come from it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. People get different perceptions of you and then they you yeah. know if they feel like you have enough money, then they feel like, "Oh, you don't need any help. They don't need my help. He could pay somebody or this or that or whatever." Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it ne- nothing ever good comes from discussing your finances with friends or family. It just doesn't. Especially strangers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not that yeah, they were necessarily strangers. strangers. They were kind of friends that hung out, you know, they were neighbors at the apartment complex and they hung out and whatnot, but like clearly right. Sam Hur did not know Daniel Wozniak as well as he thought he did. So Apparently not. <clears throat> authorities say that Daniel Wozniak, who had no job, no money, was about to be evicted and was getting married soon and needed money clearly. He saw killing Sam Hur and stealing his money as his way out. Mm-hmm. Quote, this w- quote, this is his latest scam in a lifetime of dodgy scams, said Senior, senior Deputy DA Matt Murphy. Quote, so in Daniel Wozniak's world, this was no problem in, in his mind murdering two people so he can go on a honeymoon. Damn, when you put it like that. Well, wow. he's the star in his own play that is his life, you know, and like this is just like the scene that needs to happen so he can go on to the next scene, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So on May 21st, 2010, damn, I think that was... Okay, that was a year before my wedding. I was that was my anniversary. It's May twenty first, twenty eleven. Was when my wife and I got married. This was exactly a year before my wedding. Okay. Um, so on May twenty first, twenty ten, Wozniak quote lured Sam into an attic in the Los Alamitos Joint Forces base. There, he shot him twice in the head and took his phone and wallet. Reports suggest that Wozniak beheaded her and then left different body parts at El Dorado Nature Center in Long Beach. So he part of his whole scheme that he hatched here to make Sam look guilty of killing Julie was that he had to get rid of Sam's body so that the police couldn't find it. So they assume that he's on the lam running after killing Julie. So he's scattering body parts and whatnot, which I don't think that's the best way to necessarily get rid of someone's body and not have the police find it is to put body parts in different, like they're, I don't get that. Now like spreading it out. I don't understand. I don't get that either. Why now, you would do now that. this and this murder wasn't quite as uh, cut and dry as it seems either. You know, he actually, I guess he only had one round in the gun, and he didn't realize it because he shot yeah. Sam. Sam was still yeah. alive after still the first alive. shot to the head. Mm-hmm. Then he had to reload his gun while Sam yeah. is like pleading for help, and this yeah, man shoots up, him man. again, bro. Yeah, yeah. And what's even again. dark to think about is that same night he performed with his fiance in that. Dude, uh, musical nine. So he's up there performing later after shooting a man twice in yeah. the head and beheading him. Then he's up on stage as the lead man you know, in this in this musical. Have I talked to you about the show Barry with Bill Hader? No. Dude, this reminds me of that so much. You need to watch that show. It's on HBO Max. I guarantee you'll love it. It's like on season okay. three right now, okay? But Bill, short short version is Bill Hader is a hired assassin. He's a war vet, okay? Iraqi war That's vet. That's an odd p- cho- choice for... <laughs> 
for a guy who'd be an assassin, Bill Hader of all people. Well, it's kind of a dark comedy. That's why it's so perfect, right? Okay, okay, so he was a war vet. He did some crazy shit in war. He came home. This guy picked him up. He started becoming an assassin. Well, when he goes to L.A. to do this hit on a guy who's in an acting class, he falls in love with acting. And so then he becomes like one of these local theater actors, just like this guy, just like Wozniak. Oh, shit. And there are times where he like has to kill somebody or he has to do something crazy because obviously the story gets more entwined. He's not just killing people he's unconnected to, right? Um, But then he has to go and try to act after this and he's just fucked up. Like he's totally distraught. And I'm like, that's how you would be after you just had to do something this horrific if you weren't a sociopath. Yeah, unless you're a complete sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, which I, can't I have a feeling that, that uh, Wozniak was put on a great performance in this musical, and yeah. like probably got off on the idea that he just killed two people, you know. Oh yeah, and now he's feeling like his his future is financially secure, at least for a little while, right? He's thinking, mm-hmm. well, I got sixty something thousand dollars now. I get to go now. I get to get married. I'm gonna have a nice honeymoon. I'm gonna have the Hollywood style life for a little while, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, he's feeling like things are great, man. He's a fucking, yeah. he's insane. So he killed Julie. Uh, hours after killing Sam Hur, police said he, after he lured her to her's apartment by using her uh, cell phone to text her, pretending to be him. Um, Julie was basically killed just to cover up the killing of Sam, police now theorized. And armed with this new information, poli- police began searching for Sam Hur's body. When they found his head, uh, it was his birthday. He would have been 27 years old, which is just, it's crazy, the, some so of the dark. details about this case. They're so dark. So Daniel Wozniak spent hours lying to police about his involvement in the murder. However, his story kept changing. And at one point he told the police, I saw the goddamn body and all of that we talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually he confesses, brought authorities to the location of Sam's body in the El Dorado Nature Center in Long Beach. Um, And later in court, he would be convicted on two counts of first degree murder and was actually sentenced to death in September of 2016. He deserves it. Fuck yeah, dude. This is, yeah. This is as bad as it gets, If anyone deserves it. He's a candidate for the death penalty, if you believe yes. in it at all. I mean, there's plenty of people, for good reason, who believe that the death penalty shouldn't exist because if there's, you know, 1% of people are innocent, then you can't kill an innocent person, which I understand that for sure. And also mm-hmm. that it doesn't really fix anything or whatever, but it does for some people, I think. If you're a family member of a victim of, like, in this this scenario, if you're Julie's dad or something like that, I think him living or sam's dad having potentially carving out a decent life in prison for himself writing fucking plays or whatever he's gonna do doesn't sit well with you when he did what he did to your daughter you know absolutely not and son Um, man don't forget about mm -hmm. you know the her family as well i mean god his his family he was not only killed like he was yeah he was humiliated he was humiliated his body was humiliated and destroyed desecrated yeah Left into a park for animals to destroy his head, and he couldn't even have an open casket, man. Yeah. Mm. So in November of 2012, Wozniak's then-fiance, Rachel Buffett, uh, was arrested and charged with three felony counts of accessory after the fact based on uh, allegations that she had lied on multiple times to investigators. But didn't she come clean with all that stuff? That's what I'm saying. Like, when you hear the phone call or when you hear what was said between them on the recorded phone call, like, she was – she made – him confess a lot sooner than he maybe would have because she was pushing him like look i'm gonna give this stuff to police like she was not helping him so i find it a little confusing i know maybe she lied to the police before that phone call maybe yeah. they already had her maybe. in custody i don't know mm-hmm. but like god it seemed like she came clean to me it almost seemed like she didn't really know either like she didn't really know until like the the brother had the backpack full of incriminating evidence and then she was like what the fuck 
mm-hmm. truly seemed like he was keeping her in the dark, which he's fully capable of with being the way he was. Yeah, regardless, she still did a year, a year in jail, I think. She was sentenced to 32 months and was released from jail in 2019. Yeah, but she <clears> went in 2018. She went in September of 2018, so she didn't do okay. the full 32 months. Yeah. So Sam's dad, Steve, said he never wants to forget the image of his son's body, or he never wants to forget, surprisingly, the image of his son's body that was stitched together at a mortuary after being dismembered and dumped in a Long Beach park. One of the hands was missing, um, and the 26-year-old's head was wrapped uh, was wrapped to hide the fact that it was uh, only unrecognizable. Uh, quote, animals got to my son's body parts in El Dorado Park. Um, they found him. They ate flesh off of him. They urinated on my son. Mm. Uh, so, and mm. um, Wozniak would be transferred out of San Quentin prison to a lower security prison in July of 2021. Why? Angering the, angering the family members of his victims, of course. Um, District Attorney Todd Spitzer, in letters to families of Orange County death row victims, warned that the prison's, quote, sentence inmate to tra- transfer pilot program is open to any sentenced inmate who has recent, no recent disciplinary problems, even those who recently senten- were recently sentenced to death. When Sam's father, Steve, learned of this, the, learned of the move, uh, he said, quote, it was a kick in the stomach. It would have been good for them to uh, at least warn me. If I could, I would kill him myself, but that won't happen. So I want the harshest punishment possible. Quote, it's, yeah. it's night and day. I'm going from, he's going from a Motel 6 to a regent, his father said. No doubt. No doubt. I don't understand. I mean, unless the father's intention was to kill him himself, I don't understand why you would need to be warned. Um, it's not like you're going to be in danger because he's going to another prison. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like this guy's an escape risk. Maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. I would guess any death row inmate, right. is an escape is an escape risk. Um, I mean, if you know, you're already set to die and you just don't know when it's going to be. I mean, I guess, what do you have to lose from escaping? Right. Right. Um, I almost feel like it's to me, if I was a family member, I, 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 be the most annoyed by him being on death row in California, knowing that he's never going to actually be killed. And in death row, you get like so many benefits, you get like a bigger cell and you get like, you don't get put in general population where you're at risk and all of that. Like mm-hmm. I, I would almost want him to be in, in general population because I don't know how well he would do. I don't think those are his type of people. Like this theatrics aren't going to work on other inmates. Like, yeah, you'd rather uh, he just have life getting fucked up all the time. I think. Yeah. You say you, he'd rather, you'd rather him have life and just be in there with, yeah with yeah because we've seen i've seen a lot of death row specials man and like they they kind of have it made compared to the other inmates assuming you don't want the interaction with other people because like some some people in prison do enjoy the social interaction they have friends and they have Mm -hmm. their own little world going on but like yeah we've we've seen where some of these sociopaths love it because they have this massive cell they're over there typing and they've got their tv they've got everything they can need i could just see him sitting in death row and just enjoying himself writing plays and shit like that oh god and never getting not. killed because I mean, look, Randy Kraft is still on fucking death row, and that dude was he, he was killing in the seventies. He was know, way captured worse. in what the, I think if I remember right, he was like caught in the eighties. You know, yeah. so he's been sitting on death row in San Quentin for like forty years, and will never be killed. He'll die in there eventually. God, that's so awful. I mean, yeah. knowing that I mean, God, Randy Kraft is he's just as bad as Randy Kraft, honestly. I mean, the way yeah. he just took innocent lives too, man. The same thing. Had he not just, been stopped, he would have definitely continued to kill, hundred percent. Oh my God! If he gets away with this, imagine how that boosts his oh confidence. God. I mean, oh my, God. my God. Yeah. And then, I mean, how many? 
I, I don't know. I just I can't help but think that a lot of these narcissistic actors and aspiring actors that that go to Hollywood to try to make it big, right? They it's like they almost want to do crazy shit in their lives just in case they get like a a, a movie made about them or something like that. It's like at least they can say like this is my story. My story yeah. is crazy. Yeah, you know what? Is, That's something I could see him doing from Death Row is writing yeah, his exactly. life story in a writing film the version story. or whatever. Taking yeah. taking this murder and turning it into this crazy this crazy story, you know? Yeah. Well, at least he'll never get out, that bastard. Yeah. You know what else will never get out as well? Stench in your armpits if you use Oh My Gaia. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's right. Be trapped in there forever. That stench is sitting on armpit death row. That was the segue of the century right there, my, parents, my friends. I was wondering what you were going to do. I was wondering what you were going to do. You never cease to amaze. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I was waiting. I had one earlier, and then you kept talking. I was like, damn it, missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Well, guys, let's talk some Oh My Gaia. Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products, and their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. And at Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, I just I just uh, emailed Wendy and got my re-up this week. Uh, I got some more Egyptian musk. I get Egyptian musk in everything. I get it in the in the deodorant, in the scented oil, in the beard oil. I also got some Sailor, some Barbershop. Uh, I got some True Crime Pine on hand, as usual. Uh, guys, you really can't go wrong. Once you find, there's got to be some scents on here that you love from Vanilla and Cherry I got some Fireside in my pits right now. Fireside, another great one. Oh, another great go. one for the summer. Uh, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, bergamot, amber, pear, uh, sweet pea. There's there's tons of scents to choose from, guys. Check out it. You can check them out at ohmygaia.com. And because you are true crime guys, listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R, creeper, for 15% off your order at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. Or you can go to ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. And guys, as well as uh, our Tonic CBD sponsor, there is links to Oh My Gaia right below the description of this very episode, as well as the code word spelled out for you, so we make it nice and easy. Speaking of Tonic CBD, you want to talk a little oh, bit yeah. about that? You just, uh, you just hit up Brittany as well for an order of some more Tonic, I see. I did. I did. And that's because not all CBD products are created equal. From how it's grown and processed to how it's formulated and delivered into your body, every step of the process that goes into making the product affects your ultimate experience with it. Tonic has original formulas using CBD, adaptogens, herbs, and superfoods um, back in 2017 and has been working to deliver the most effective, intentional, and sustainable products possible. Tonic cultivates their craft own hemp from their certified organic farm in upstate New York. That hemp travels only 30 minutes to their state-of-the-art manufacturing and distribution facility where it's turned into a finished product and sent to you, ensuring only the highest quality vibes at every step of the process. Their farm-to-bottle CBD plus botanical blends are uniquely formulated to provide targeted support where you need it most. Each and every high-quality ingredient is thoughtfully selected for its ability to support and enhance the benefits of CBD, resulting in a more effective, well-rounded, and consistent wellness solution for your mind and body. They have a bunch of different blends, much like Oh My Gaia, has a bunch of different scents, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I use them. Did the different blends for different times of day and things like that. I use one for morning, one, a different one for night. I like grounded at night. I like to use flex in the morning. Yeah, um, 
Um, but also like they have uh, a way to verify the, the products, the quality of it as well. There's a microchip on the top of each container that you can tap with your phone and allows you to see the third, the third party, uh, lab reports, product information, details about their farm, and even helpful blog posts to provide you with some CBD education. Yeah. So with values rooted in quality, integrity, and sustainability, Tonic is committed to creating the plant-based wellness solution products that are good for the people and good for the planet. Visit tonicvibes.com to learn more and use code word creeper, just like oh my Gaia, to get 20% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R, creeper, 20% off at tonicvibes.com. Guys, it's right. changed my life. I love their products. It's a part of my daily routine, just like my my vitamins and supplements that I take. I, I got to have mm -hmm. my tonic to, to feel also, like myself. Also, um, I know I know vapes are really popular, guys. Nicotine vapes, even THC vapes and different things. Um, but the reality of it is if you don't live in a, in a legal state, chances are you're getting illegal, you're getting fake carts. I mean, there's a really good chance you're getting fake carts and a great way to cut back on some of that and to kind of balance that. If you, if you have that habit where you like to, you like to hit a vape every now and then tonic also has CBD carts that are all organic clean ingredients. You don't have to worry about where it came from. It came from their farm. That's only 30 minutes away from their factory. And so it's like, it's, it's really helped me, um, as, as a regular smoker, like I love the, the vape pen, the CBD vape pens, like it just helps, it helps me stay clear. It helps, it helps with anxiety when I'm in public and you know, mm -hmm. you get none of the crazy psychedelic high, um, if that's what you're afraid of and it's completely legal, it's completely legal and clean ingredients. Absolutely. So absolutely gotta, you gotta love those vape carts too, man. They really oh, yeah. help. Uh, you want me to talk about Patreon real quick while you're looking up some uh, reviews and shout-outs? Uh, there hasn't got been that many new ones as far as I can tell. Go um, leave us a review, guys. Nikki Muley uh, says, Freeloading fan, been binging on TCG for the past few weeks. Thanks for always yeah. being in my ear and keeping me engaged despite my ADHD. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. Uh, then we got uh, Will3433 says, Creeper for life, five stars. Found them in March, just got done catching up. Got a binge strange, then it'll be time to become... I think we might have mentioned that one before. Okay. Uh, we got uh, Swag6782 says, Mason Lusk, absolutely gold, y'all. Listen to y'all every all day. Um, ain't a better way to make the workday fly by than a good murder store. Keep up the good work. Right and on. God bless. Thank you. Um, and then we got DJ W Shady. Uh, says fire five stars and two fire emojis. Thank you. That's, I mean, if you guys want to leave a review and get a need. shout out and you don't really want to write anything, all you got to do is throw some fire emojis in there. You have that's to put right. something in the comments so that we can see your name to give you a shout out. If you just do five stars, that's cool too, but you don't get a yeah. shout out for doing that. Right. Also, another great place to rate is on Spotify. If you guys are listening on Spotify, yeah. Spotify now has an option where you can rate podcasts. If you guys could take just a second to just click five stars, we'd appreciate that very much. It can help us get featured on Spotify under true crime, you know, up and coming true crime podcast categories. And, you know, we'll be recommended to other listeners. And also check this reviews. episode out on YouTube and watch yes. us do the show with pictures popping up and a whole mm -hmm. production behind it and subscribe and like on, on YouTube, man. We're trying to get that YouTube page go, uh, going. So check that That's out. Right. There's a lot more work to doing that. But we're trying to, to build up the YouTube channel. It's a different right. experience watching the show uh, as opposed to listening to it. Um, no doubt. Either way, no matter how you uh, consume our content, we're, we're appreciative, but definitely, Absolutely. uh, if you don't even plan on watching the YouTube videos, if you have a YouTube, go and subscribe just to help us out there if you can. Yeah, we appreciate that very much. Every free episode, guys, every free episode that's released on the on the free platforms is going to be on YouTube as well. And as if you're well. a patron member, 
You get just the banter in video form as well on YouTube. Every single, Uh yes, every single week, as well as the five minute murder show, which you just released episode nine uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, guys, that's patreon.com slash true crime guys. Just like the YouTube channel and our Spotify, there is links below. You can click the Everything True Crime Guys link, the link tree, and you'll see links to every single thing that we have to offer. Um, But patreon.com slash true crime guys by far is the greatest deal that we have out there. For $5 a month, you guys get access to everything we create. I'm looking back right now uh, through some of the, the things that we released. All right, let's go back. Let's let's go back a week ago. So last Saturday, Lauren released Five Minute Murder Show number eight, and then um, May sixteenth, Strange Shorts eighty one. May eighteenth, Higher Thoughts. May nineteenth, uh, JTB seventy nine. May twentieth, Sandu Stories. Um, <laughs> May twenty first, Just the Banter seventy nine with video came out, and then yesterday, May twenty first as well, Five Minute Murder Show came out. That's just in one week. One that's, week. That's so there's just a whole lot week. more than what you're getting on the free feed right now. That's a right. A whole lot it's, more. This a lot. You're just seeing the tip guys. of the iceberg if you're not a patron member. So, seriously, seriously, guys, we we put a lot behind that paywall because you know we work hard and we want to give, you know, we really want to give people their money's worth. On and we that haven't Patreon. even adjusted for inflation, so it's right. still five dollars, even though it's everything's way more expensive. <laughs> it's cheaper than a gallon of gas if you're out west. Right. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Shit. Cheaper than a carton of eggs at this point. Oh, I know. Adam, I'm so glad I have chickens. Glad I have chickens. Eggs are yeah, crazy. seriously. Eggs are getting crazy. All right, guys. Does that about do it? I think that's about it, man. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder. Get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army We out here, make it better charming You hush your mouth, boy